Welcome to This Is Peace, the podcast of Peace Baptist Church located in Decatur, Georgia. On This Is Peace, we're sharing all things peace, sermons, devotions, inspiration, and conversations at the intersection of faith and culture. At Peace Baptist Church, our mission is to make disciples and meet needs. Our number one goal is to help you seek, serve, and share God. Let's jump into today's episode. Father, I thank you and I praise you today for this family of faith. These last couple of weeks have been, uh, Lord, difficult as we have had to deal with so many tragedies, unexpected things that happen to people who we love so deeply. And we pray, oh God, that you will, Lord God, help us to, Lord God, um, look to you as, as Lord God, the word says, Lord God, um, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. And we pray, Father, that you will, Lord, just continue to give hope and give peace. And as the praise team just saying, hello, 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 peace. Where are you? Come on. Come on in, joy. Come on in. Because, Lord God, death is not the end. That's right. Sickness is not the end. We have that hope. We have that trust. And so we choose today to stand on your word. As we, Lord God, link arms, link hearts, and pray together and seek your face. In the name of Jesus, oh God, reveal yourself and give us words to speak to bring life to those and hope to those, Lord God, that are in despair today. And we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for our neighbor on our right and our left, those in the screen that are watching on TV or on the computers this morning. We, Lord God, pray for them and whatever's going on in their lives and in their hearts. Father, just meet our needs according to your riches in Christ. And we know all things are possible as we put our trust and we believe in you. And we'll give you glory, honor, and praise. We pray, Lord God, for Kenyatta today, Lord God, who is having surgery on Tuesday. Amen. We know, Father, that you are going to be with her and be with the doctors, nurses, and all those who will take care of her. We thank you for that today. In advance, we are already praising you, knowing the outcome, Lord God is going to be in her favor. We just thank you for it today. We give you thanks, great praise, and glory, Lord God, for all you will continue to do in and through us as we put our trust in you. Now, God, as we open up your word today, Lord God, help us to, Lord God, know what to say hello to, amen, by saying goodbye to the right things. And we ask you to help us to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children shouted amen, and amen this, this week. God is so good. Hallelujah. We're going to um, ask you, if you would, to open up your Bibles. We're going to look at a text out of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 29, 25. I'm going to be reading from the English version of this text. I like the way it reads it, but um, whatever version you have, I'm going to ask you to do that. And, um, and we, will, we will launch into our message today. This is week number two on our series, The Flex Factor. As we talked last week about building boundaries, we're gonna continue that. And today's message is probably one of the most important of all of them. I'll probably say it every week. (laughs) Um, But I'm gonna teach you a word, uh, I should say one of the most empowering words that you'll have to use in your life with everybody you meet. You're gonna use it in a job, you're gonna use it in the home, you're gonna use it with your kids, and you're gonna use it with family and friends. You're gonna use it in every aspect. And it is the word no. 
Just say that with me, no. Uh, um, it is an empowering word. It is a very empowering word because, amen, um, it, it, it gives you, um, if you would, um, borders. It, 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 it allows you to be very productive. It allows you to be able to be focused and for you to be able to fulfill the purpose and calling that God has on your life. And, uh, and it's important for you to say no. It orders relationships. It, uh, it lets them know um, what they can expect from you, um, what you will give to them, and what you are willing to take, <laughs> what you're willing to receive from folk. Because everything everybody gives you, you ain't got to take it. And there's some stuff that people are giving that we have to say no to. Like, no, I'm not going to accept that from you, uh, especially when it comes in a negative way, when it comes in a way that is tearing me down, that, is not, um, is, that, that is, it has no righteousness in it. You have, a right to not you have a right to refuse what folk try to feed you. You know, we grew up with this thing, eat everything on your plate. You do not have to eat everything on your plate. Let's tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you grown now, I'm grown now, I ain't gotta eat everything. <laughs> if I don't want that bean, I'm gonna push it aside. Amen. I, I'm really good about going places. And they, you know, it's spi is anything spicy? If it's hot, I don't want it. They be trying to, the waiters be trying to convince me. It's not that bad. I, listen, I know my taste buds, okay? I don't want nothing but ketchup. That's about as much spice that I want. Come on, amen. And so it's important for you to know, amen, what it is that you uh, need to do. And so I've entitled today's message, Know When to Say No. Know When, K-N-O-W, Know When to Say N-O. And so we're going to look at Proverbs 29 and, 20, and verse 25. Here's what it says. It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you're safe. Oh, oh, let me read that again. It is a dangerous, look at that word, dangerous trap. Underline it for you, to be concerned with what others think of you. But if you trust the Lord, you are safe. Father, help us today to be safe today, to be in safe relationships, to be around safe people, to, out, to be ourselves a safe person so that, Lord God, we may be able to fulfill the purposes that you have for us in our lives. And we'll give you the praise and the glory for it now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Know when to say no. Now, you all know that we, we, we have an ongoing uh, series as we're looking at two main couples, one married, the other one dating a long, long period of time. But I want you to meet both couples today, amen, uh, as we continue our series called The Flex Factor, amen. Why don't you watch this, and then I'll come back with the word. All right, so tell me your name. I'm Imani. Are you ready? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's do it. So tell me why we're here. just doesn't care. No matter how hard I try to get him to understand how his behavior affects me, he doesn't care. Darius and I have been together over seven years. We have a son together. 
and I have stayed with him through the ups and downs. But don't get me wrong, we've had good times, but the bad times have been really bad. The lying, the cheating, and then some, we have been through it all, and I forgave him. And even after all of that, he still doesn't get it. I feel like I'm in this relationship by myself. I know I want this relationship to work, but if I'm gonna be the only one putting the work in, it's a waste of my time. Oh, my name is Darius. You good? You ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. What's your story? Amani thinks that I don't know how she feels. But that's the thing, I do. I mean, I feel it every day. It's in her attitude. It's in how she answers the phone, how she responds to me when we sit next to each other. Man, I mean, she can't hide it. We're like strangers. I mean, I know I messed up. My past is what it is, but I've owned up to all that. She says she forgave me, but I don't think she did. I mean, there's no way she did because if she did, she would be treating me how she treated me. If she was angry, I could deal with that. I mean, we could argue, she can scream, she can yell to the top of her lungs. In fact, she can even cuss me out. I mean, it's whatever. But, but this Amani, this, this distant, cold stranger? Nah, I, I, I can't deal with that. I tried to forgive them. I did, and truthfully, I want to forgive him. Of course I want this relationship to work. It's not just us to think about now, we have a child. But if I'm being honest, I'm just waiting for the mess to start again, for him to go back to the way he used to be. I don't trust him, and the damage may be too much for now. I know that I have not been perfect, but I have been good to him. I'm just tired of crying. I'm tired of arguing and being angry with him and trying to get him to understand and hear me. At this point, I'm just numb. You know, she's checked out. <laughs> Honestly, so have I. I want to make this work because we do have a family and, and we built this life together. But if I'm honest, I don't want to keep on living like this. So either something changes or, you know, man, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say that out loud. She doesn't trust me. No matter how much I've changed, and I'm not just talking about words, but I'm talking about real change. I mean, no matter how much I apologize to her, nothing has been good enough to, you know, it's like nothing matters. Don't get me wrong, I love her to death. I love Amani. I do, I really do. But I can't keep living like this. 
Can't keep walking on eggshells, especially not in my own house. Nah. I know something has to change, but I'm afraid of what that something is. I don't want to walk away, but if we can't get it together, that may be my only option. I don't know what change is going to look like, but what I do know is that change is inevitable. I mean, I want my family, but I don't know. I mean, one thing for sure is something has to change. That's what you missed last week. Watch this week. My wife has lost her mind. No, seriously, that has to be what's happened because you should just hear the way she speaks to me. That has to be the reason. I've been a good husband to her these past five years. Michelle and I were together for two years before we got engaged and then we got married a year after that. But this, this is not the woman that I fell in love with and made my wife. She's spiteful, controlling, demanding, and she wonders why I've been... Never mind. <laughs> All right, so, um... Terrence. And, uh, Terrence, are you ready? Yep. All right, so why don't you tell us what's going on? Tell us your name. Hi, my name is Michelle. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Tell us while we're here. Terrence thinks I'm crazy. I know, but I don't care. I've been down this road before, and I know he's seeing somebody else. And if he hasn't already, he will. So yes, I check his phone, his email his bank account, Zelle and Cash App, the miles on his car, and the way he smells when he comes home. No, he is not gonna play me. I refuse to be a fool. Play with me if you want to. And if this makes me crazy, so be it. I'm so tired of defending myself against the things that she makes up in her head. I can't even sleep at night for her questioning me about every little thing. We don't even talk anymore. She just yells at her point and then she nags at me until I do what she says. I can't go out with my friends, nothing. A man that takes care of his family and does right by her don't deserve this foolishness. But she keeps it up. She might just get a wish. You keep accusing me, then don't be surprised when or if it happens. I love my wife, but I'm not her child. I am a grown man, and if she can't see and respect that, <laughs> then... I'm not controlling. I just refuse to be made a fool of. No, you can't go out with your friends. 
especially the single ones. I know they're introducing him to other women and convincing him to act a fool. So no, he doesn't need them. He needs me and his family. That's it. Okay, I know it feels like a lot, but if you've been through what I've been through, you will act the same way. Look, I want to relax, I do. But he can't catch me slipping. Doesn't the Bible say that a husband's body is not his own? That's right, I have the authority, period. I'm trying to be patient. I know she's been through a lot over her past, but I thought we had worked all of that out before we got married. I don't know what sets her off, but this past year has been, well, let me just say, it hasn't been what I thought a marriage would be. I love my wife and I want this to work, but if she can't get it together, then I don't know what's going to happen. But I know I can't live like this. I don't know what Terrence wants me to do, but until I feel more comfortable about our situation, I'm not changing. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know I can't go on like this. weeks to come, we're going to be following those couples, kind of find out what they're dealing with. And I suspect some people, if it's not you, it's maybe your neighbor or your cousin or somebody else that may be going through some of what they are experiencing, or maybe you have experienced it. Or maybe it's not with a love affair. Maybe it's with a child or with a friend. Maybe it's in a toxic work environment. We're gonna help you to be able to, in this series, how to set boundaries in your life. One of the great boundaries, and you can see it in the drama there, you can see it in the drama in the sense that they have not had set really good boundaries. And then even those that are trying to set boundaries are setting probably unrealistic ones, trying to control everything. And, and I wanna help some of you all today who are dealing with that so that your no means no, <laughs> and know when to say, no, that's what we're going to talk about today. We already read the scripture, uh, Proverbs 29, 25. It is dangerous to be concerned with what others think of you, but if you trust the Lord, you are safe. It's a great scripture, right? See, what, what, it, what I'm trying to say today is, is this, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again. Really, the title is all the point, <laughs> but it's going to take me a few moments to, to, to really unpack it because... Um, uh, I have only one major principle, and that is know when to say no. Because when you don't deal with people pleasing in your life, you'll be miserable and frustrated like a lot of people, like you see the couples are, like a lot of people are. And you won't have a balanced life because there's no boundaries in your life. You'll be controlled by others and living someone else's life rather than the life God has for you. Now, 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 now desiring to get approval from people or to please people, let me first say in the beginning, is not wrong. There is, I am not saying, what I am not saying is we should not seek to uh, get the approval of pre people or, or be pleasing people. We, we ought to do that. It's part of what we, what we need to do. If you don't want to please people, you got a deeper problem. 
Come on, listen to me. If you don't want to please people, you, you are a narcissist. You are a, 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 a confused person who is extremely self-centered and selfish. Let me just say that. All of us, if you're, you're a child, you should be wanting to please your parents. If you're a husband or wife, you should be desiring to please your spouse. If you work for someone, you ought to be looking to please your boss or those superiors over you. There's nothing wrong with wanting to please people. It's everything wrong with being controlled by people. That's what I'm talking about here today, being controlled, d doing things that you know you shouldn't do just to make someone else, somebody else happy and yourself miserable. Those are the things, when you are pleasing people and you're not pleasing God. You're going to hear that over and over again. So when you don't know how to say no, there's a couple of things that will happen. Here's, when you don't know how to say no, um, here, here's number one. You'll miss God's plan for you. You'll miss God's plan for your life. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 4, part B of that. It says, our purpose is to please God, not people. He is the one who examines the motives of our hearts. Our goal, our job, is to please him. It's difficult to focus on what God wants for you and what someone else wants at the same time. You, you, you can't. Jesus says, you can't serve two masters. <laughs> you're going to please one or you're going to disappoint the other. And he says, you can't do it. And we have to uh, make sure that our very first priority in pleasing is God himself. And everybody else comes second. All right, all right, if you sit next to your spouse, tell them, babe, you come second after God. I mean, it's true. And then the kids and the job and even your own stuff, amen, it comes way down the line, but God has to remain top priority. That, that you have to start with that premise or else everything I'm going to say is not going to um, be very helpful to you. We are to desire to hear God's well done rather than hearing others well done. And so I, I, I know that's... Um, True. Number two, you stunt your spiritual growth when you refuse or don't know how to say no. When you don't know how to say no, you stunt your own spiritual growth. Uh, here, here's what the Bible says in, in John 5, 44. You try to get praise from each other, but you do not try to get the praise that comes from the only God. So how can you believe? He, he, what, what, what it's saying is, how are you able to grow when you're not trying to please God? You're trying to please everybody else and try to do everything else. You're gonna stunt your growth, you're not gonna have belief, you're not gonna mature in your faith at all. We grow by focusing on what God wants and his plan and purpose for our life, to make Christ and his purpose our pursuit. Your goal, my goal, our goal should be to make Christ and his purpose our pursuit of life. That's, that's priority. Make God's purpose, plan, and principles the goal of your life, otherwise it will stunt your spiritual growth. You have to eat what he feeds and go where he leads. That, 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 that's, the, that's the goal of every believer when you gave your life to Christ and made him Lord. It means to God, I'm going to let you guide me. I'm going to eat what you feed and I'm going to go where you lead. I'm not going to eat. When you eat what other people are feeding you, that's fast food. How many of y'all know you don't grow really well on fast food? You know, God wants you to, 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 to be able to digest and eat and consume uh, the nutrients that he has spiritually for us. And, and, and we're going to have to be still and know that he's God, and we're going to have to, amen, trust him and give him time to be able to do that. Amen. Hebrews 12 tells us to look to Jesus, not to people. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who begins the faith, but he's the one who matures it. 
And so our, our, our goal is, at the end of the day, is to look more like Christ in our actions and our attitude. And in order to do that, we can't do that looking at other people, following their plan and dictates. We have to make sure that we're following him. Exodus 23 and 2 says, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't follow the crowd. Following the crowd is a mistake. Amen? We tell our teenagers to not follow the crowd. You know, they say, why'd you do that? Everybody else is doing it. And, and everybody's heard that already, or at least said it, right? We've all, we've all said that. And, and, and yet, that's what we tell the teenagers. But don't follow the crowd. If they tell you to go and, you know, jump off the building, will you jump off the building? No. You know, and, 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 but as adults, we still do that, don't we? We follow the crowd. We do what everyone else is doing. And it's not a good excuse. The majority is almost always wrong. And what culture does and what people all around us do is not what we're to be able to guide our, lives, our lives by. It's not what God's called us to do. Can I tell you, most of the time, the crowd is wrong. Of the 12 spies that went out to, to look at the land, amen, Moses sent them out. 10 of the 12 came back and said, we can't do it. Only two really saw it from God's perspective. Um, the, the, the brothers of Joseph wanted to throw him into the pit. Reuben, uh, the one, the older brother, was like, no, we don't need to do this. But, the, but his other brothers convinced him to allow that to happen. Now, he did at least convince them not to kill him. But the point is, the crowd is often wrong. And many times what we do is we follow the crowd. And even as adults, people are crowd followers because we want the approval of people. We don't want, we don't want, we want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. And so it's important for us not to do that. Uh, here's 1 Samuel. It's a lot of scripture today, all right? 1 Samuel 15, 24 says this, New Living Translation. Then Saul, the first king of, of Israel, admitted to Samuel, the great prophet, he said, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed our instructions and the Lord's command. For I was, watch this, I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. A lot of us do a lot of stuff because we're people pleasers. We keep trying to do what they want us or somebody wants you to do. But the issue is who's, whose opinion matters most? Whose opinion? Who will you believe a man more, God or others? And many of us are living our lives by the dictates of others. We must reframe how we see things, how we perceive things, how we receive things so that we can be about God's business and do the work that he has called us to do. The only way you can say yes to the right things, listen, is you gotta learn how to say no to the wrong. This, that, that, we can write that down somewhere. The only way I can say yes to the right things is I have to say no to the wrong things. They sung the song, hello peace, hello joy, hello love. In order for me to have love, joy, and peace in my life, I have to say no to some things that are trying to deny me those very things. And so you have to have the courage to say no. It is in denying ourselves or denying other people that we really grow. Hey, do y'all hear me? These, <laughs> I, I, we're going we're to get to the relationship stuff all next week and the weeks to come, amen, to help you in your marriage or your child rearing or your work, whatever things are going on. But I've got to teach you how to say no and how to have some convictions and how to live within your own boundaries and particularly the boundaries of God. Because if you desire don't desire to do that, I'm going to tell you, your whole life is going to go out of whack. Because he will, let me tell you something, God, who's your first love, amen, he will attack whatever is taking his place. He won't let you prosper. He won't let you benefit by leaving him out. 
You may for a while, a season you may, amen, but it's not going to go well for you long term. So what I'm trying to do is get you to be able to say, to say yes to the right things, but you got to say no to the wrong things. You got to say yes to the right people and no to the wrong people. We're going to talk a little bit later in the series, I think next week, amen, about how to, how to de- how to deal with safe people in your life and getting the right people around. I think it's next week or the week after that. We're going we're gonna to deal with, with those things because you've got to say yes to the right people. Yes to the right opportunities. So you can, and you've got to know what the wrong opportunities are. But in order to know what the wrong opportunities are and the wrong people are and the wrong things are, you've got to know what God's called you to be. And many times we don't. We don't have a sense of purpose. We don't have any direction. And therefore, anybody can just pull us anywhere. We just float with the wind. And the Bible says a double-minded man or woman, don't want to be discriminatory, is unstable in all their ways because they don't have focus. They don't know where they're headed. And anybody can convince them of anything. Oh, a bird, let me run over here. Let me go do this. And we, and we start juggling all these different commitments and expectations, and we leave out the most important, which is what God wants us to do. And what God wants you to do is, you know, one of the scriptures that you ought to hold to, he wants to give you the desires of your heart. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. In fact, there's scripture telling us to pray and he will give us the desires of our heart. But he won't give you the desires of your heart until you have made sure that your life is focused following him and doing what he, do you understand that? He's not going to, he's like a woman in the house or a man in the house. I'm not going to keep paying the bills and you hanging out with the other woman or the other man at the house. I'm not going to continue to support your own adultery. I'm not going to do that. And God won't do that for either, any of us as well at all. Here's number three problem when we don't know how to say no. You fail to be the best version of yourself. You miss you. You miss your own life. Amen? Um, Here's what it says. You make yourselves look good in other people's eyes, but God knows your heart. Luke 16, 15. You you, you look good, but what what he's saying is you're wearing a mask or you're taking on activities that betray your true self. But God knows who you are. He knows what he's called you to. He knows what he uh, wants from your life. And, and, And we're going through pretending. And when you look in the mirror, Many times we don't even recognize ourselves because we become versions of what other people expected us to be. And you don't know how many times I talk to people and say, I don't even like myself. I don't even like who I've become. You know why? Because you have, you have put you on the back burner and you put other folk whose, whose goals for you and expectations for you were not in line with God or even who you were. It was selfish on their behalf to conform you into their image or to what it is that they want opposed to you to be conformed into what God has for you because you have adopted their expectations for you. It's not what God has for you. And again, let me say it so you understand. We ought to help, amen, we ought to be able to, to seek approval and please other people. Of course, that's what, I'm talking about somebody who's taking advantage, abusing and misusing you for their own purposes. It's not what God has for you, being manipulated. You know, and we're going to help you in this series how to deal with manipulating people and, and be able to deal even spiritual abuse, financial abuse. Come on, amen. All, all these different things. Emotional abuse. You, you may brag. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 18. Uh, you may brag about yourself, but the only approval that counts is the Lord's approval. The only approval that really accounts is what God says. 
When you say no, you are not being mean, but you're being authentic. Listen to me. When you say no to people, and particularly when it's the thing that's taking you away from the purpose or taking you away from the essence of what God has called you to be, you're not being mean to them saying no. You, 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 are, you are finding yourself. You are, you are claiming your own territory. You're being authentic. Uh, and you should not want to have folk in your life who don't want you to be your best self. You, you should not want to have people in your life who don't want you to be authentic who only want you for what you can do for them. You don't, you don't want that. You don't want those kind, of, those kind of people in your life. Just because something is good for somebody else doesn't mean it's good for you. And you've got to be able to know what's good for you so you know what to say yes to and what to say no to. And so that you can really clearly give good boundaries to other people. And not only tell them no, but tell them why. I can't do that because... This is my purpose. You look throughout all the scriptures, you see Paul doing that. People kept trying to pull Paul, and he pulled Jesus and others, and they would tell the people who were trying to pull him, this is what my purpose is. But if you don't know purpose, then people can pull you, and you'll find yourself a man lost. Romans 12, 2, this is one of, the Phillips translation was one of my favorite translations growing up before the message. I love the message. This was kind of like the, the, um, the very, um, it, was, it was the translation everybody went to before Eugene Peterson came up with the message translation, which is really contemporary, really, really good. It's kind of devotional um, thing. But I, I love the Phillips, and this is what it says. And I've, I've said this my whole life, since 30-some years of preaching or living as a Christian. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all the demands, and moves towards the goal of true, true maturity. I love that. My favorite part is don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Uh, some of y'all will know that text by don't let the world conform you. Amen. Don't let the world conform you. If you, you know, but let your mind be transformed by the renewing of your mind, amen, that you may prove what is that good, that perfect and acceptable will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? It's, it's great. It's, a, it's an awesome, amen, but don't let the world squeeze you because people are always going to try to squeeze you and make you the best version of them. You, boy, I'm throwing out nuggets. I hope y'all are catching it. Make you the best version of them. That is not what it is supposed to happen. I tell the parents when we do dedications, baby dedications, amen, every fourth Sunday we usually do a, a lot of baby dedications, amen, in between or after services, amen, and, and, and uh, man, you know, um, I tell the parents, your job is your child is on loan to you, and it's your, it's your, it's your purpose as a parent to bring out of them who they're supposed to be, to nurture the gift of the child, but not for you to try to make your child your image, because you know you messed up. And now you want to you birth the child and then have, have the child uh, to counsel out all your mistakes. But what you have to do is train them up in the way that they should go. Not the way that you want them to go, the way they should go. What's the they should go? The Hebrew of it is the way God is designed and God's plan and the gifted and shaped that person to be. So you got to know that child and that child, help that child to, get to know themselves. I think this is one of the problems with teens today and what was happening is we've got a generations of young people that grow up but they don't know who they are. They don't even know themselves. 
And they're finding themselves by doing what? Listening to TikTok and, 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 and listening to the, the music and, and letting that shape who they are, who they think they are. And we as parents have not trained them up in the way they should go. We've not given them, amen, the, 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 um, the power of, of self-awareness and God-awareness and what it is that God has for them so that our children, when they go to school, they can say no to certain things. They can say, hold up, no, I'm not going to smoke that. I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to lay with you here. I'm not going to lie with you here. I'm not going to do those things because I know who I am and I know whose I am. So don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You will never be productive living someone else's life. You won't. You won't ever be productive. One, a, a, a text we did, a, we did uh, during the relationship series about six, seven years ago, we actually went through every verse in the Song of Solomon. Remember that? Some of y'all remember that? That was really good. We took, we took you through the Song of Solomon, which was, the, was you know, Solomon and the Shudamite woman and their love relationship with each other. It was able to show us, you know, the dating relationship, and we dealt with their marriage and their, their pain as they caused each other, how they reconciled. All that's in the Song of Solomon. It's an awesome, awesome book in the Bible. And we walked through that book. Amen. And, 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 and what, I, what, what, what I love the Shulamite moment. I really got to begin to love her. And she says, makes a statement in, in one of the chapters. She says, um, I tended other, my brothers and others' gardens and neglected my own. And she's, she says, I made sure, I went and I took care of everybody else's garden, but my garden full of weeds. That, that, I, that I, I, I was helping everybody else, but I wasn't I wasn't doing anything to, to benefit what, what, what God had called me to do in my own personal life. And so, so everybody else's yard looked good, manicured. Yours is full of weeds, rocks, stones, dried up. Uh-oh, if, if I'm talking about you, just keep looking straight. Don't, don't, don't wave your hands. You're talking about me, Pastor. Let me tell you, that's not how God wants, God, God does not want others to benefit at and you, you, and you lose everything. We, we will lose some things. We, we will have to sacrifice. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We do have to give. We have to sacrifice. We have to go without. But, but you shouldn't lose you is what I'm talking about. You shouldn't lose yet. When I'm giving to you, I don't need to lose my peace. I, I, I can't give you all the stuff you want and then also you take my peace because I got to hold on to my peace. That's the part that can't be taken away and should not be taken away from me if I'm really doing what God has called me to do. I've got to hold on to my peace. I've got to hold on to my joy. You can't take my joy. The devil is alive that I'm going to be doing all this, amen, and helping, and I'm not going to have joy myself. There are going to be times I've got to weep and I've got to cry. I understand that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you, have you, you, you made me not even like me. My brothers and sisters, we, 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 can do, we can do better than that. And, and, and you should say no to people, places, and things that do not allow you to be the best version of yourself that God intended for you to be. Amen. Hebrews 12, once again, says, lay aside the sin, sin that you're doing, and the weights that easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Y'all know that text? 
got to lay around, you got to lay aside the sin, that's the sin, that stuff you're doing, the things you're thinking, the attitudes that you hold, yes, lay aside the sin, but also the weight. What are weight? Weights are the people I'm trying to carry. Weights are the attitudes and expectations of other folk that I am trying, and I got to drop the weights. They may not be sin that they're asking, but it's weight. It is extra responsibility I have never been called to fulfill. It is, it, is, it, is, it is stuff that is being placed upon me that I, 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 it is taking and robbing me of the time and energy and resource I have to fulfill the calling on my life. And what I'm trying to say, and I hope you get this in this message, you got to protect your calling. Oh, y'all, you got to protect your calling. Is this helping anybody? You have to steward and protect your own calling because Satan is after that. He is going to try to pull you and distract you, amen, from the calling that is on your life. And I'm not talking about you calling to be a preacher or a bishop, amen, or a deacon or anything. I'm talking about a calling to be a saint of Almighty God to do what God has put you on this earth to do. And Satan is trying to divert you, amen, with busyness. Some of y'all are just too busy. Amen. People tell me all the time, Pastor, you're doing too much. No, I'm doing what God called me to do, amen. But, and I need to be careful, and what I need is stop being so busy picking up stuff you don't have no business picking up. Trying to chase the approval of others and not chase the well done of Christ. Because I want to hear him one day say well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many. We got to make sure that we deal with the, 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 the weights, the weights. Amen. And, and so, and so uh, number four, you live in constant fear of being judged by others. And a lot of us, that's what drives us to be a people pleaser is that judgment. We don't want nobody saying that, you know, let them talk. Let me just say again, let them talk. Listen, you may not know this. They talking about you anyhow. Whether you do it or don't, whether you are... You, they're already talking about you. Do, you. do you hear me today? So it was a song. So let's give them something to talk about. Do what it is that God has called you to do. And you've got to, here's, here's what it says in John 7, 13. No one had the courage to speak favorably about Jesus in public, for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the leaders. It silenced their witness, it silenced their excitement about Christ because I don't want folk to, I don't want folk to know. And, and you know, and, and, and that, that's a good text for us uh, people who are not willing to, to share the, their witness to the world, amen, because they fear the opinions of folk. You fear of others' opinions and it weakens your own personal convictions. It strips you of your boldness. You're not as bold because I don't know I don't know how it's gonna be received. And you do need to temper. And we'll, we got a whole message on how to how to speak to people on communication. And I mean, you just came to me blasting it when I first got saved. You know, I was trying to help people. Now, you going to hell? That ain't gonna help nobody. You know, you, you gotta learn how to how to how to speak in a way that people can receive. We have responsibility to make sure we do that, but we do not have a responsibility to 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 push aside our convictions. There ought to be some, some, some non-negotiables inside of you. Non-negotiables. Look at that word, negotiables. Non-negotiables, because people are always going to be trying to negotiate with you to get rid of your non-negotiables. 
and get you to, you know, um, give up what's most important. You start supporting things and positions that go against the true core of who you are, true beliefs, true biblical truths, just to fit in with the crowd. You laugh at jokes that ain't funny. Amen. You know, at the office, everybody, <laughs> you know, you, you, you go, to, go to places, you don't, you, you shouldn't have to, you don't need to, you don't need to do, do that. I, no, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not hanging. I'm not doing that because it, it, it will violate the conviction. It, it is, it is a distraction from who I am and whose I am. And we don't know how to say no. We go along to get along. We go along to get along, and that's a dangerous place to, be, place to be. It doesn't make you a good witness for Christ because you clam up. Scripture says, woe to him. Listen, here's a scripture. I don't have it on the thing for the, who's doing my slides, amen, but I, it's a scripture. Woe to him who everyone speaks well of, Jesus said. <laughs> when everybody talk well of you, you ain't got no backbone. Now, I'm not saying you ought to be controversial and you ought to just be this mean. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you ain't going to please everybody. And everybody's not going to always speak well of you. And when you live your life to try to make sure everybody's okay with you, boy, they're going to drive you. Gonna be, you it's going to drive you crazy. Because you're not going to be able to satisfy everyone. Amen. Here's what John 12, 42 and 43 says. I told you a lot of scripture today. Many people, including the leaders, believed in Jesus, but they wouldn't talk about it publicly out of their fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. They loved human approval more than they loved the approval of God. Amen. See, how we overcome the trap of approval is we ask him to renew our minds, back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Change the way we think so that it will change the way we act so that when something comes up against who we're supposed to be, we will have the word of God in us, in our heart, that we will not sin against him. David said, I hid the word in my heart that I would not sin against the Lord. And so what we've got to do, my brothers and sisters, is we've got to make sure that we do that. Let the word of God be an anchor that will center you and settle you. Let it be a floaty, amen, so that when you get immersed in the water, you will stay buoyant, right? Y'all know some, you got a, a vessel or something where there's air inside of it, and you try to push that thing down. I remember, you know, I, we, I used to have to wash the dishes at the sink at home, and, you know, and, 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 and once the, the container was, was uh, the dish, dish detergent was over, I would fill it, I would, uh, you know, just take the, uh, all the, of course, everything's out of it, put the cap on it, and then try to sink it in the dish water after all the, water, all the um, dishes had been rinsed, and, then, and watch it float back up. It would, because there's something down on the inside, it, it, it wouldn't stay down because there's something on the inside that, that, that would not allow it to sink. And you got to have that something on the inside. And the reason why I use the illustration because it's like faith. <laughs> you can't see it. Conviction, you can't necessarily see it. It's, it's, it's like the air in that bottle. I, I, can't, I can't define it. But I know it's there. And how do I know it's there? It's because when the world tries to sink me, still I rise. I don't, I don't, I don't sink. I have conviction. And, and you can't drown, you can't, you can't push me down. And because and, I got something on the inside that's gonna let me, amen, stay afloat when everybody and everything around me is sinking. Do you hear me today? Truth will do that. It'll help you. 
And so what we got to do is we got to make sure that we're doing that. So let me give you these last little points and I'm going to let you go. Here's some things to remember, some truths to remember. God doesn't try to please everybody, and neither should you. You know, we, yesterday at Barry's, we were talking about the Alabama and Georgia, and, you know, when they play each other, or Dallas and the Falcons when they play each other. You know, both locker rooms got prayer, praying to the same God. <laughs> and, but one lose, one win. You know, what I'm saying is, you know, God, God is not on... He ain't on none of our team. He on his own team. He is. I, I remember when, uh, uh, who was it? It was, um, it was Joshua, I believe it was. Was it Joshua? It was Joshua. I think it was Joshua. Yes, Joshua. He was, he was going, and he ran up against the angel, remember? And, and he was giving, and, and he, he had his sword drawn, ready to fight, and he said, whose side you on? And the angel said, I ain't on your side. I ain't on the other folks' side. I'm on the Lord's side. He says, I'm the captain of the army, and I'm on the Lord's side. And, and, and what my point is, God is on his own side. Because God even says no. Even God sets boundaries. We talked about that last week. The garden, um, in the garden, he set boundaries for Adam and Eve in a tree. He sets boundaries. And I like, we talked about a lot of things last week. Even God says no. He told his chief um, prophet, his chief, amen, apostle at that time, Paul, amen, who was going through whatever, uh, me whatever messenger of Satan was messing with him. The devil was messing with him, messing with him. Paul went, pray once, twice, three times, and every time he went to God, God said, no, no, I'm not removing it. No, I'm not going to stop the attack. No, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough. God says no, listen, God says no when no is the right answer. God, did you hear what I said? God said no when no is the best answer. He knows the best answer, and we've got to learn how to be okay with no. You spoil your children when you say yes to everything. You give them everything. Oh, let me get it. You know, ah, they fall on the floor. Let them fall. I turn, I, step over them, right in the grocery store. Amen. No, the answer is no. And it's no is because it's the best answer. I don't know about you, but how many of y'all, but I know I am grateful for the many times God said no to stuff I want him to say yes to. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for saying no to some stuff. Somebody give God some praise right now for saying no. Oh, I thought I wanted it, but thank you, Lord. <laughs> you knew what was best. God says no. Here's number two. Your happiness shouldn't come from others' approval. I'm not, I'm not getting my joy and my peace from you and from your approval. I'm getting it from God. That's, that's how you can go with your convictions. That's how you can stand against the crowd. It's because you're not, you're not trying to get the applause of people. You want the applause of heaven. John 5, 41, Jesus says, your approval or disapproval means nothing to me. I don't care. Nothing to me. Your peace, your joy, your happiness is ultimately a choice. Do you hear me today? Because you're going to choose what you let in. When you can be manipulated and controlled by others, listen, listen, stop blaming them. Blame yourself. Because when you let others control you, it is a self-inflicted prison that you have built for yourself. Because people can only do what you allow them to do. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. I am. This is... 
You, it's a self-inflicted prison that you have built around yourself, built the walls on the opinions of other people. And that is not what God has for you to do. Isaiah 51, 12, it says, I am the one who confronts you, like, excuse me, confronts you, comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? God says, just, just, just trust, I got something for you. Some of you have spent a whole life trying to please unpleasable people. And you're just going to have to do that the rest of your life because it's never going to be enough because they're only going to love you to the, to the degree of your last yes. They're they only going to love you to the, and then when you say no, they're going to forget all the other times you helped them. With that one, this help right now. Come on, I know it's helping somebody. Focus, number three, focus on what is really important. The world and everything in it that people desire is passing away, Scripture says in 1 John 2, 17. But those who do the will of God will live forever. What really is important, what's going to last forever? When you focus on God's plan and purpose and his truth, It'll set you free because the Bible says truth will set you free. You make God bigger in your life and it will make the approval of others less and less important. Satan, amen, is so good because he's made us value the wrong things. Kind of like the people did at Walmart. One day they went in, it was $2 items. They put the tag, this is before the little barcode stuff that happened, you know, barcode now, you can't do this, amen. But back in the day, you used to be able to have ta price tags on stuff and they changed the price tags or what was $2 and put it on a $100 thing. And a $100 thing put it on $2. And so they, and, they, and, and, and that's how they were doing some stealing, if you would, in the past. And that little, that little um, thing got caught. Those people got caught doing that. But that's exactly what Satan does. He changes the price tags on stuff. He makes us value things that are insignificant. We put value on the wrong things. And what we've got to do is, and what you've got to do is value the calling on your life, the purpose that God has for you, and know what is important in life so you'll know what to say yes to and what to say no to. Focus on what's really important. Amen. These people in Hollywood, they, they're, they're boycotting in Hollywood and all that stuff now. You know, and, 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 I, and it's great, those actors, but I've always been amazed how those actors look their whole life to become famous and they can't wait for their name to be in lights, everybody to love them and know them, amen. And then when they get to be famous, then they put on shades and they hide the rest of their life. You know why? Because they discovered something. They discovered what I thought I wanted, I don't really want. And it ain't worth the value that the world put on it. And many of the people who are very famous would probably change, trade their fame for a moment, for a, just trade it, because they hate the fame and the attention and what it gives to them, what it takes away. Saying yes to that, amen, has robbed them of so much. Luke 16 and 15 says, Jesus says, the things that are highly valued by people are worth nothing in God's sight. One reason we let people control us is that we, amen, look at the short-term gratification we get from them instead of trusting God for his, his long-term benefit, you know? You can get folk, you give some, you know, and they'll thank you right then. But God, it takes time. God, it takes time for, when God calls you to something, you don't see the manifestation. What I'm trying to say is, you don't see the manifestation or the benefit of it in the beginning. It just takes time. And trust him. Amen. Trust him. And number four, number five, I'm going to let you go. Live for an audience of one. That's all I've been saying. I've been saying the same point, just different way. Every point is the same one. Know when to say no. 
And no one say no when you, when, you, when you live for one, for him. That's all I've been saying all day. John 5 and 30, I don't try to please myself, Jesus says, but I only please the one who sent me. Because people pleasing, listen, is a form of idolatry. And it's breaking the first two commandments and the Ten Commandments. Have no other God before me. Number two, build no idol. And when you put people, places, and things ahead of where God is, you've created an idol. And you have, you have displaced him. You have, uh, you have dethroned him. And you have caused so many problems in your own life. Paul says in Galatians 1.10, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. If I was still trying to be a people pleaser, I would not be Christ's servant. Because when I attempt to please a person that doesn't value us, amen, we're never going to get what we expect. Because one day, number five, we will stand before God alone, not with other people, to give an account for our lives. Romans 14, 12 says, yes, each of us will have to give a personal, a personal account to God. He's not going to ask you, did you do what they said? He's, gonna, he's not going to ask you, did you live somebody else's life? Why weren't you more like that person or that other person or such and such? He will ask you, how well did you live out the purpose and the plan that I have for your life? You're not going to be able to understand the rest of the messages that I'm going to be teaching unless you get this one right. You got to know what what God's done and doing and wants to do in your life. Amen. And you've got to say, I'm going to make that the priority of my life. And everything else and everybody else is going to fit around that. If you do that, I'm telling you, you may not get a whole lot of awards and win a whole lot of favor from a lot of people, but I'm going to tell you something. You, you're going to be more peaceful in your life. You're going to be a lot more clear with people. The relationships that you're going to have around you are going to be so much better because guess what? When you're clear about that, the crazy folk, they ain't going to come. They say, oh, I can't step to her. I can't, I can't come to him like that because they know who you are. They know the values and the convictions that you have, and they are not going to be able. They know, they, 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 they know they're not going to make an inroad, so they go and try to find another victim because you've been very clear on who you are and whose you are. And I tell you, my brothers and sisters, that's, one of the secrets of success. Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you will say, what you have said today. I pray that you bless now, Lord God, your people as we have just put our trust in you, living for an audience of one. Thank you, Father, that you do bring us peace. You do bring us joy. You do bring us love. So we say hello to it. And we, with great conviction, say goodbye to those things that have drained us and diffused us and distracted us from being our best selves in your name and we give you thanks and praise for your glory and your honor and for the what will take place in the weeks to come in this series and we thank you for it now in jesus name amen amen thank you for joining us today if you're ready to take the next step in your journey with christ we want to celebrate with you we also have some resources to help you on your journey to find out more about peace baptist church head over to our website at thisispeace.org be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Peace.